Welcome back, you all you cool cats and kittens, to another episode of Blurds in Wonderland. I am your host, Who Arnold, and I am here with Luna Cooper. Hey! And Kimbo Fife. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're back for episode four of season one of The Wonder Years, Angel. The episode first premiered on April 5th, 1988. It was directed by Art Wolf and written by Neil Marlins and Carol Black. Uh, so I think we get, we get, we get the idea already that the Wonder Years loves montages. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, but yeah, they, they really leaned into the, into the montage to, to basically quick tell the story of Karen in her place in the family, which, you know, it's the only daughter back then. The dad's only job was to protect their daughter. Keep her off that pole. <laughs> Jesus. There's more than the pole you got to be worried about, apparently. And the pipe. Yeah, I, I would think the pipe was... Uh, oh, yeah, and the pipe. one priority back then. No matter which pipe you're talking about. <laughs> so I, mean, I thought, 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 the, thought the montage was nice. And I thought they, they, they kind of, like, switched over to her walking in really nicely and then her, her walking in with a, a very jive manner very jive manner you mean, you mean look uh look like radio raheem with blonde I mean, hair she might be fluent in jive we don't know yet uh, the one thing i'll give her is she was correct Jimi hendrix is the greatest guitarist in the world correct and, you know so which you can hear clearly on her uh quote-unquote eight track player just way too good all oh, is way too high a portable sorry i'm sorry uh young millennial sir for those who don't know what an a-track player is what great hell is that it's like an ipod you know you put in a tape cassette what is a tape cassette well it's like a cd so a cd is It's, it's too much. Uh, Google it. Just Google all three of those. Uh, a track, CD, uh, maybe even iPod. You might have not even remember what that is. So, I'm sure everybody knows what an iPhone is. An iPod is like an iPhone, but without the phone. Yes, from their perspective. <laughs> it was the other way around. Is music before iPods? We had compact discs that look kind of like DVDs. If you know what those are. DVDs are films on a disc, right? Like, I know it sounds crazy, but you put in a DVD player. Wow. And sometimes, and sometimes, if you're really cool and you have really good computer technology, you can burn CDs and oh, DVDs. You get too deep, bro. You're getting too from, deep. From oh, video files on your computer. Bad. It's too much. Burn oh. them? Why do you want to light your things on fire? Yes. What? <laughs> you, you guys want to know why it's called a mixtape? <laughs> I'm allergic. We so again, told. tapes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with VHSs. So VHS. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. So so I think it all comes down to um, the next scene. We're gonna we're gonna skip that argument because they always argue with Karen. It doesn't matter what the hell they're talking about. They're, they're always arguing. Still relevant today, arguing with it Karen. It com- comes down comes down to your values, you know. Right. I personally love the the nice uh, crackle of some vinyl, but you know, I'm kind of a weirdo. And he is 76, guys. So that makes sense. <laughs> That's six. Anyways. So after she's like coming in being jive and all of that, what's what's happening? They argue like they always do and they want her to turn the music down. Oh, her mom was slick with that with that with that oh he's the best guitarist in the world, well I'm the best cook in the world. Turn that music down. <laughs> all right. What a parent response. Yeah, yes. It's he, like I'm just gonna mirror mirror that, that last comment back at you. Yeah, I'm gonna flip it on you. How you like that? Oh, okay. Like, all right, mom. mom. I hate you. Well, I hate cleaning up, but I do it anyway because I'm the mom. It's like, all right, all right. I'm hungry. Like, well, I'm hungry for you to do your homework. So, 
Right? <laughs> Let's see those equations, Robert. I'm hungry for them grades. Pull out that progress report. Like, <laughs> this is embarrassing for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Straight up. So, let's see. So, the next scene after that was we, we go to we go to school. We're talking about values. And nobody knows what the hell the teacher's trying to, you know, She's get them to, to say. Out. And she's trying to she's pulling teeth literally, and it does not go well. Um, well, it depends on what your definition of go well is, because we as the audience get a great scene in the oh, school. Yeah, yeah oh yeah. <laughs> for we the teacher, more- for the so, teacher, she has to she has to pull it out of them. So it's like really awkward. Like, please, somebody give me an answer. Anybody? Right. Anybody? So what's Bueller, the Bueller? Bueller. Um. Well, before we get into the thing, I uh, there are some faces that people might might recognize in in the yeah uh, there are the class. Yeah, there are. The first one, a um, little bit lesser, probably a little lesser known by name, Michael Bacall. Yeah. Who he's he's an actor and a writer. He has been in numerous, numerous, numerous things. He's been in Glorious Bastards, Death Proof, Grindhouse. Uh, he is the voice of Torvald. From Hey Arnold. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was in an episode of Sister Sister back in the day. Wings. Yeah, yeah. Uh he was in an episode of Doogie Hauser. And he's been he's been been uh, been acting since he was little little. Uh episode of Punky Brewster. <laughs> he wrote the screenplay to 22 Jump Street and 21 Jump Street, the movies, and Project X and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I feel like we talked about that. Yeah, I think, and the I think first, Luna the first hated time, those movies. First time that we recorded it. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> so, in case we didn't so you, tell so you guys, are, this is a repeat. Might not, uh, might, not remember, yeah. might not remember it, but we, 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 uh, we recorded this episode once before, and some technical difficulties prevented us from having that file. We had to re-record it. We're in an alternate timeline. Yes, we are in an alternate timeline. But the listeners are in the main timeline. Mm-hmm. But, so, yeah. Michael Bacall, really well known. Look him up. You'll, you'll look, you'll see the picture. You'll see what it looks like. Now I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah, get get to the important one. <laughs> the important one is Dante Basco, who everybody shouldn't remember from one of our all-time favorite movies. What is it, Kimbo? Rufio, 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 Rufio. From the seminal childhood classic Hook. But you might also remember him in. But I'm a cheerleader. Oh, such a good movie. Oh, so good. And for all my all my uh, my old older Nickelodeon fans, he is also the voice actor for Prince Zuko from Avatar: The Last Airbender. And so, if I'm correct, uh, American Jack, uh, the American Dragon on Disney, I think. Hold on. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. He is the voice of Jake Long. Yeah, I knew it was Jake. Yes. Huh. So Boy, yeah, you're working. <laughs> yeah, he he works. He works hard and he gets a lot of really nice roles. And it started we, when he was young. We love a booked and busy friend, okay? And that's exactly what mm. he books mm-hmm. and busy. This is his first credit on IMDb, by the way. This is like his first. This is what he got started in. Nice. Doesn't say much, but that little screen time catapulted him to an amazing career. Yes, Rufio. Shout out to, to Rufio. A real one. One a little bit of melanin in uh in a sea of not so much. So we love a little bit of melanin. A little bit of melanin can take you a long way. <laughs> just a drop. Everybody wants just a drop. I mean, because it's it, it's it's very, very valuable and very, very rare. Okay, so values. <laughs> Where do we get our values from? They don't seem to know. Right. The teacher asked the kids, "Where do we get our values?" Uh, and... Parents. Right. Which I think is kind of which which I think was the answer that you know is most relevant for the episode. But you know, teacher really wanted right. books. That's the answer the teacher wanted. Nobody gave it to her. Nobody gave her books. They got close though. I mean, media. I mean, about songs. no one, no one really took the idea that they're in like, what I'm pretty sure is social studies class. 
mm-hmm. and connect and not social studies, but um, English class and connected it to the fact that she's holding up a book. So yeah, these kids aren't mm. not the brightest bulbs mm. in the box. Mm-mm, well, they're not more concerned about how they look, seeing as how Rufio looks like he's dressed for prom. Jesus, gotta 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 be fly, you know. School, you gotta put that back forward. And but you know who 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 really who really doesn't put the best foot forward? Christine. <laughs> she does not care that everybody in the class hates her. She's well, not putting her best foot forward. She's putting her best like foot. Ankle, leg, knee, thigh. <laughs> she is like, she is the character that embodies the annoying, awful person that we all, we've all been in class with. Like, the teacher isn't about to take up the homework that half the class didn't do. She's the person who raises her hand when the bell is ringing and says, You forgot to take the homework, Mr. Smith. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's the worst kid, worst kid ever. You know who else didn't? show up really for class uh the young man in the corner or you know on the far left of the classroom who for whatever reason only answers rhetorical questions and even though the question is rhetorical he gets the answer wrong um my my man is looking for the participation grade and that's that's it that's joe that's joey santoro played by michael bacall Right. Poor Michael. Poor Joey. It just, it's giving mediocre. Say it. It's giving mediocre white man in the making. Um, He is preparing for a long haul in mediocrity. Um, And we love that for him. <laughs> I love how we live in an age where when you say mediocre, we just all know like, why does Tashir follow? The other, th- the other thing I noticed is the difference between what Kevin thinks the teachers think about Christine and how Ms. White feels about her in the moment, clearly Ms. White was not digging the brown nosing. No. Like, damn, she bitch, hates I, it. I get it. I get it. Sit down. Damn. Yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that she... I just want to call attention to not only did this girl have too much to say, but she stood up. Who? Yeah. No, <laughs> one's, no one else stood up. Who does that? Like... <laughs> What? Like, what are you doing? Sit down. The person who's going for who's 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 going for the trifecta of uh, perfect attendance, straight A's, Oof. and what was it like character and, character award or whatever. Yup, right. Yup. Ugh, the worst kind of people. Honestly, I I am I shocked think, she's not in the front row. Like, she's in the second row. Like, maybe that's her her thing to to look humble. It's probably a sign to me. The teacher's like, I'm not having you sit that close to me. Right. (laughs) We went through this last semester. You be standing up and be in my face. Hell no. You gotta go. Mm -mm. So, after class, they go, they're out on the street playing football. Because football is what boys do since the beginning of time, since football was invented. Yeah, man, you gotta find a ball and do something with it. Mm-hmm. And then Karen's sitting yes. on the class playing her guitar. Do-do-do. I'm hippie, playing my acoustic guitar. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. And then rolling down the street in the loudest fucking, loudest fucking um, van in the world. Something's happening, it says on the door. It's Lewis. Ugh. Ugh. A grown Ooh, ass man, a grown ass thirty eight year old. <laughs> okay, Got it says hair. it says he's a junior at State College. Um, yeah, it says a lot I'm, of things, but I'm, I'm picking up on something else. Certain that he's like a eighth year junior who's just been changing his major like every every you know every every couple semesters or so. Twice divorced. <laughs> Come on, man! Literally, if anybody's ever seen across the universe, yeah, I know this. This is this is this is a, this is a this is a, a pretty deep cut at this point. Um, and for those of you across the universe, is a um, a musical. It's set to the music of the Beatles, but it's all covers, and the covers are pretty much better than the actual Beatles songs. So it's yeah, they, they they put some soul in it because they had some black people sing some of them. Ooh. So yeah, yeah, 
that's a deep cut in more ways than one, man. Right. Yeah, that, oh, I don't think anybody one character, that's listening to this will be fighting you, but... There's one character in the movie that reminds me of Lewis. Main character is, you know, from England. And he calls him a shaga, uh, a seducer of young and vulnerable women. And that, that's Lewis. You gave a definition, felt like you said nigga. I don't like that. <laughs> it's like shaga. I you know what it is? It's it's the double G. It, the double G just made me feel. I don't even think it's. Right. I don't even think it's. A, think it's a double G. And I and I might even be pronouncing it correctly. So you know, be 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 on the lookout for a correct for a correction. If I, if I pronounced it wrong, I'll go back and watch the movie tonight. Like like if a dude walked up to you, like outside of a Hertz car rental, and was like, "My fucking shaga." Like when you be like, this, "This nigga called me a nigga." I know he did. Yeah, I, I know. I, I totally get hey, it. I don't know what that is. He could he could have called you soft and gentle, but you like, hey, bro, you need you need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> can't just be can't just be throwing it around like that. Yeah. So Lewis comes up, pulls up on Karen, and they just start doing what I think they just they just do, and that's just making out mm-hmm. because Lewis is a horny little bastard. And they all about well, the free love movement over here. Mm-hmm. Just right in the middle of the daytime, in the middle of in the, the grass, in the front yard. The front yard. Not <laughs> the back yard. So bold, right? I'm listening. Me. It's in character. It's in character. I'm getting. It. Yeah, for uh, his, what seems his to be pedophile. Gene. That's. I mean, he's definitely a pedophile, and I so, don't quite understand why the parents didn't hit on that. Or Karen's anybody? Like 15, 16. Yeah, she's a whole child. Right, 15, 16. And this this man is a, a is a junior. 46, 47. Okay, so so uh, on the high end. On, on the <laughs> that man is old. On the low end, he's he's at least 21. And you know, I, I have yeah, if you're if you're over 21, you should not be macking on high school broads. 20, he's like, I, I don't the know. Alternative is, in the alternative, no matter how old you are, if you're over the age of 18, you shouldn't be macking on high school anything. So that is... Especially if Leave these kids alone. And to the young people who may be listening to this, if it's an older person who's hitting on you in your high school... That does not mean you're mature and amazing. That means they're disgusting and immature. So please, please, don't do it, baby. It ain't worth mm-hmm. it. Don't get you a Lewis. You see what I'm saying? Don't get you no Lewis. Lewis ain't, he ain't shit, as we will come to find out. Public service announcement. Okay. Lewis has been recommended to have his prostate exam already. That's how old he is. <laughs> you up there, bro. So... So what does our what does our little psycho do when he sees his sister getting macked on by by this guy? Instant killer mode, like, like the psycho, just just a switch, just trigger. He's like, hey Paul, 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 go out over there. He doesn't even try doesn't even try to make the throw look look like he was trying. He just throws okay. it straight at them. Rude, <laughs> but I mean. He's trying to protect his sister. I, I, I kind of get that, but still, it's kind of psycho behavior. Like like that one moment you agree with the killer in the movie, you're like, okay, and that guy, I guess, had it coming. So it's like, it's like, it's like, when, like, like in Black Panther when you kind of understand where the hell Killmonger's coming from. Yeah, you're like, mm, like you're I crazy, can't be too mad. Yeah, and then we should get all the guns and then kill all the white people. Uh, well, okay, now slow down, buddy. Hold on. <laughs> you lost me. Sounds sounds an awful like like genocide. <laughs> I don't think yeah, that's Kevin, the answer to the Kevin equation. Is Kevin is definitely living up to Fife's um, belief in him during this episode. He's really giving plenty of evidence um, that he is not the cop. Um, well, maybe hold on, um, but also uh, the serial killer. He's definitely uh, giving big murdery vibes. In hey this man, episode. you know what you you misspoke. But real talk, he could be a fucking police officer who'd be killing be. folks. Like, memoirs of a killer cop. Like, who knows where this is going other than me? 
I know where it's yeah. going. They're all murderers, but continue. So, segueing to Kevin and what I, what I love about the show is how they, they sh- kind of show his state of mind by the TV show that he's watching in any given scene. The, se- the scene that, that, that he's watching is some guy, you know, quote unquote, protecting a, a woman by, by, you know, putting some other guy and her, you know, being, oh, Keith, thank you. You know, one, that, that one more time. One more time. What Stop. Was she like? No. <laughs> yeah, a little louder for people in the back. I don't. I don't hear the damsel in in your interpretation. I hear the distress, not the damsel though. Yeah. Just... Mhm. Mhm. Anyways, <laughs> we'll just have to uh, record when you when you edit the episode. Just play it twice. Just yeah. Oh, Keith, thank you. Um. So then, a uh, Lewis. And Karen come in while he's watching that show. And Lewis wants to make a phone call and calls his other girlfriend, Marissa. Bold ass motherfucker. Call Sneaky her, link. Call, calling your calling your 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 other chick from your uh one chick's. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna suggest which one is the main, which one's the side. You know. We know. No. <laughs> we know. No. Do we know? I look, I it's safe to assume that. Karen is the side chick just from just from just the behavior is very side chick you know what I mean and the good sis is young the mm. other seems older maybe you know yeah, yeah. yeah. Karen is definitely side chick Karen for sure the side piece is just it's just there for some thrills and it looks like he's just having fun I mean he's having fun either way but he's getting lots of experience in this area Hmm. I wish. Nothing. While Karen has left the room, right? So but but Kevin overhears this. Yeah. He's he's like, Who's Karen? Well, well, well I mean, I mean, not who's Karen. Who's Marissa? But at, but first he has his uh his little schizophrenic episode, you know, hallucination where they're in a where they where they're in a western, but dressed like the like they're currently dressed and he punches the fuck out of Lewis over the couch. <laughs> Western style. Being, yeah, exactly. Like over the couch too. Like I don't know where this kid strength comes from. Maybe it's the demon that's attached to him, but whatever. Demon. Probably. So so basically he he Lewis Lewis already knows what the fuck he's asking. He's like, are you asking if Russ is my lover? He's sick. <laughs> Lewis is sick. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's he's trying to, you know, enjoy his college career. All 50 years of it. I was going to say, he's had plenty of time with his old ass. <laughs> Pretty sure he's a professor. Right. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. He, look, look, at the very least, he might be a grad, assist, grad he's assistant. He's definitely a grad assistant. And he's definitely, he definitely has an English writing major and like a <laughs> and medieval, uh, medieval literature minor. Like he's... No he's, to he's a poly. He's a poli sci grad student who often reminisces re- reminisces about his time in World War One with his students. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he basically condescends to Kevin, and it's really yeah. He takes a knee to get on his level, but he does it condescendingly because, like in Fargo, when Chris Rock did it to talk to talk to that little white kid. He did it, you know, respectfully. He's like, look, don't ever trust anybody that don't come speak to you on your level, which is some real ass shit. But this man is like, hey, hey, so kid, you're Kevin, right? Oh, man, I I can do whatever the hell I want to with your sister and Marissa, and you can't do anything to stop it. <laughs> Quit hating, little nigga. Like, be cool, man. It's all, hey, man, they all understand. Everybody knows what's going on. So shut the fuck up. Right, get off my dick. And then he tr- and then he tries to uh, tries to uh, <clears throat> smooth everything over when Karen comes to him. He's like, "Oh, we're just talking about relationships." Yeah, yeah, Marissa. Yeah, she's she's coming tonight too. Oh, she is. Oh, okay. And Kevin's like, "Oh, maybe there's nothing going wrong here. Maybe this is just how people do." It's yeah, because he still doesn't know. Yeah, 
And then uh, <laughs> they just start making out right there on the couch. I don't know about that. Another, that's, another, that's another, a strong word for how it looks. They're rubbing lips on each other's faces. <laughs> I don't know if kissing is quite how I would define what that was. Uh, yeah. A good, a good three slobs are like on her like cheek and chin. Like it's sick. All it over Captain America's face over here. I can just smell it. It's just grossing me out. <laughs> I'm sick. Is I can smell what's happening and I don't like it. Does, does it smell like patchouli? It's giving like a little bit of patchouli, a little nam champa, a little, uh, <laughs> a little you know, uh, you know, he eats uh, plenty of lentils, you know, I'm getting some curry. Yeah, he's, oh, this guy. Um, what else? And you, know, and you know, they bathe once a week. Yeah, if that, yeah. and um, and a little bit of like, really stank marijuana that's actually not gas, right? Like, I'm getting oh, all of it. All, all the Reggie? You, you talking about Reggie? All, all the Reggie. Some of the Reggie? Yeah, Reggie, you know, like Reggie. Uh, Reggie uh, Reginald Miller? Yeah. Or are, you, or are you talking about that sack of oregano from that one kid from the oh, first right. <laughs> Oh, that's called like, Totally not smell. lawn clippings. It's totally weed. You can just smell it. Like, you can just smell, and then, like, the skin and the licking is so gross. Um, my fa- my favorite line, my favorite set of lines in, in in the show though. Are you just gonna stand there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's low key a pervert. <laughs> just just a little bit. Like the whole thing is just sick. Like every I'm I'm sickened by everybody. Like he's just gonna stand there and watch them lick each other's chins. He, Lewis probably smells like you just know he smells with that van, and like she's just so naive. And Lewis is a child molester, but then like Kevin's really weird because he's watching his sister make out, air quotes, <laughs> make out with somebody. Like, there's so many problems, and I just listen, listen. All I'm gonna say is there's a movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying things. Starting to line up a little bit. It's a coincidence. I'm just things yeah. that make sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, Kevin, Kevin, so Kevin realizes they're not going to stop making out just because he's standing there watching them. And so he goes to tell his mom, like a little snitch. Peak, Kevin. I'm peak. Right. He's like, I can't stop it. I'm going to go to the fucking manager. <gasps> so is a Kevin, the male version of a Karen? Uh yeah, I, hmm, a little bit, a little bit. This little nigga went to the motherfucking manager of the house, <laughs> and did he's he like, did. like Karen? Karen brought a guy home. They're making out, and he's disturbing. Yeah, he did use the word disturbing, didn't he? And didn't explain himself. He just said disturbing because he knew he, he he knew. That's all he needed to say. He didn't say nothing else. If he said anything else, he might have gave himself away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the mom's reaction, like, I just... Her face was just like, per- perfect. It's like, I-, I don't know what to reaction to make. It's, it's like, that man looks old enough for me to be interested in him, and yet I, I should be concerned here. It feels like right. she's conflicted because it's like she's... It's like you know that they always go at it, so she's like trying to pick her battles, and she's low key feeling like a doormat. But she's like, I know if I like get in there, this girl ain't gonna listen to me, but I'm supposed to. And now here come this little motherfucker throwing this shit in front of me, so now I gotta act to do something. Right, and it's like I know this little girl's relationship ain't gonna last longer than, you know, (laughs) than a week. So do I really want to argue with her, or do I want to like? Let it slide. Like uh, you could just tell, this mother is tired, honey. The good sister is tired. She's tired of her. Read the sex book to have sex with her husband. She got these kids. That one of them, her sons is crazy. The other one's a pervert, and her daughter is into all of this race music. She is stressed out. (laughs) Damn jungle music. Okay, she is stressed. Uh, Yeah. And then and we find out Lewis is a vegetarian. <laughs> She's just sitting there chopping chopping that chicken. He's like, so you don't you don't eat meat, huh? 
We're not even going to mention, like, he's just, like, in their house, and he never introduced himself first. He had right. to be brought there, and, sh- and and Karen didn't do shit either. So I just thought right. that was a very uh, uh, white thing damned. to do, or at least non-black. I'd be damned if um, I brought somebody over my, over my parents' house, and we were just chilling, and I did not first introduce them to my parents. Mm-hmm. And you live. They might not be allowed over anymore after that. Like you might not be allowed over anymore. You might not be allowed over. Hell. You come over and do that shit. Oh, this who you moving in with? That's nice. I hate to see you go. Right. (laughs) Have your things out in the next uh by end of business day, baby. uh, (laughs) Not you bringing somebody up in my house and 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 you live in my house. I know you fucking lying. I had no idea you were ready to move out. Mm. Interesting. Either do you, but go ahead and back them back. Yeah, and then and then so so what happened next? I think is 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 is, is pretty funny. This is the whole the whole sequence. Lewis asking her, "What does she do for a living?" And in 1968, you asking a woman who, in the middle of the day, is chopping chicken. What she does for a living? I, was he trying to start shit? I I don't know. I can't. I couldn't tell if he was trying to play, uh, you know, nice guy. Parents love me, or if he was trying to push buttons, or unintentionally, he's just kind of a dick and doesn't. He's not intentionally pushing buttons. He's just kind of like reckless because he was like, I, I forget what she said. Like you know, I'm like a a housewife or whatever, or a mother. Well, first she said nothing. Yeah. Well, 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 I mean, I'm a housewife. And then he was like, is it fulfilling? And I feel like that's when he should have caught a cleaver to the throat. But yeah, that's just me. I mean, I mean, I think what, what helped him not get that is the fact that he said, well, that's not that's certainly not nothing. He he understood that being a housewife is, you know, a hard job. Yeah, that's why I felt like he's playing the game. It's like he knows how to work oh, the oh. system. He's towing the line. Yeah. Yeah. He's towed tow that line. And then Kevin gonna gonna say the stupidest shit in the world. He's like, my mom likes cooking and doing our doing everything for us. The fuck? What? Joke's on you. Our mom loves being a slave. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> Toad him. <laughs> Look, you little bitch. Fucking hate my life. No respect. Ask, asking her about if does she does she regret not finishing her degree? Yo, he's wild. He look, he's he's low key. Just gave her like a free therapy session and nobody asked for. Yeah, I mean, this is it's like the way he says everything he says is like so condescending. He's like, oh, you guys are so. Uh, Passe. What's the word? He's pretentious. Lewis is mm-hmm. pretentious. He yeah. is very pretentious. Extreme. Mm-hmm. He's pretentious, and but it's almost like not pretension because I really feel like I feel like he's kind of sincere in the things that he believes. Right? Like he's very. He's not like putting on. He's not really putting on airs. I think like the. I'd be. I'd be. I'd feel that more if he wasn't so condescending with his tone. Yeah, but I think he's condescending not because he's pretending to be something that he's not um, and acting better than he is. I think he's condescending because he's a know-it-all. Like, he thinks he knows mm-hmm. better than everybody else. It's more... Is that not the word I'm thinking of? Is it, um... He's speaking as if, like, he feels that it's more like I'm speaking with conviction. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, what I'm saying, I'm not just some child. I have a real opinion. Do you mean um, he's patronizing? Because he's definitely that. Yes. Yes. Patronizing. Yes. He's patronizing. He's condescending. He has this like, you all are just so close to being there, but you're not. If you just follow the way and, you know, read more, you know. He's like, do your research. Yeah, exactly. He's like, if you just read more Nietzsche and, you know, God is dead and then eat vegetables, then you'll understand, too. Like, he's just such a fucking... A dick. dick. On the streets, they call him a dick. He's a dick. He's a dick. 
But it's okay because in the future he marries this Greek girl at a big fat wedding, so he'll be all right. <laughs> he definitely has. You know, what we call that we call that growth. Okay, growth. Took, so, took him a minute to get there. So he's asking her these questions, but like all the while she's chopping the chicken, right? And and then he says a lot of women fi- find it demeaning spending their lives serving the ch- husbands and children, and then that's when. He gets hit with a piece of chicken. And and she tries to play it off like it wasn't on purpose. But I feel like she knew exactly what the fuck she was doing. Yeah. She's a sniper. She's a sniper yeah, with that chicken. Her, she knows her way around the kitchen. Ain't no way she let that chicken fly exactly. like that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She on that, a budgie. The question the next question is did she did she did she, did she, did she uh clean the chicken? No, you know she point. rinsed that chicken off and put it back on the plate. I know you know she rinsed that little piece off and put it back on the plate, honey. And served it to her husband. The big piece of chicken. <laughs> oh that's the end of the scene, right? Like as that's, like yeah, that's it. That's the end of the scene. And then, yeah, and as then, the viewer, we're supposed to be as shocked, you know, as everyone else. Um, we are, you know, you're feeling what she's like what he's pushing right and what we're mm-hmm. seeing about him is that he pushes envelopes and again going back to values right like whose values are important what values are kevin what values are like showing up to kevin that are important like which ones will actually end up mattering to him so in that moment we're like we're seeing the values but up against the ones that he's been raised with um and that's just how the scene ends Okay, so the scene ends with Kevin finding nobody to help him get no rid of Lewis. So he goes to his next option, Wayne, which horrible idea. So from the manager of the store to like the stock boy, right? <laughs> like he and, that, and, not, and not not even the good stock boy that does all the work. The stock boy that spends most of his shit on smoke break, smoking a blunt. He's always available for questions because he's just standing there. Exactly. <laughs> but also still, even though he's available for questions, never knows the answer. Right. Like, hey, you guys got to... this item? Uh, it should be here. Uh, Let me check that out. I ask somebody and he just disappears. Yeah. Exactly, you never see him again. Never see him again. Knows is like what time he gets off and where the bathroom is. That's all he and what time his break is. That's all he has for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's who he went to next. He tries to tell Wayne the situation, and he's like, he's got his other lover named Marissa, and then and that's and that's the only thing Wayne heard. It's like he's got two girlfriends. What? You can I don't do know that? He, that's, a, that's a thing people can do? Yes. I don't know right. what he thought he was going to get out of him when he's cutting out pictures of Playboy. Worst like, idea he had in this entire episode. Probably yeah. the entire first season, actually. Yeah, definitely the worst. Because I was thinking and I was like, no, you know, I think the worst idea was just sitting there and watching them kiss or lick each other's chins. I think that was his worst idea. But a close second is asking his Goof-ass brother for advice on this subject. Who, who constantly beats him. Right, like, no what in your relationship you with your brother and your knowledge of this brother tells you that he is a good resource? Maybe, maybe that's why he turns out to be a serial killer. He <laughs> never had the proper resources to become a better person at but, such a, such a, a vulnerable age. Mm-hmm. That's some commentary right there. <laughs> Plausible. And then scene changes, and we get Kevin's last hope, Jack. The great white hope. Jack Arnold. <laughs> and uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about the, the wonderful the wonderful imaginal line reference. I was like, really? You you don't do that well in school. How are you pulling out 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 a reference to the imaginal line? <laughs> like really? All right. 
it, it, it's clearly something he learned later in life because at this point in time, this dude did not give a fuck about school. Yeah, this is uh, this is well read Kevin from prison because the library is not. There's not mm-hmm. much to do other than go to the prison library. Right, because we already know that Kevin is not a reliable narrator, so no. I don't know where he pulled that one from, baby. I want to do a quick quick thing for our our, uh, our listeners. The Maginot Line. <clears throat> it was a line of fortifications built by the French in the 1930s to deter invasion by the Germans and to force them to move around the fortifications. Now, for those of you, my, those of you history buffs, you'll be like, well, if they were built in the 1930s, why did they get invaded and, and you know, overrun by the Germans in the 1940s? The answer is, is quite simple. Because they went around. Ah, oh, damn it. And over. Because they uh. had <laughs> line was utterly useless to prevent the Nazis from invading France. He got the Maginot Line reference wrong because his dad uh, held up pretty well, I think. Or did he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he held held up pretty pretty well. I think he held up okay, but like the... He still didn't do... It's just like the actual... like. It did something, I'm sure. Like in the actual war, it was it did something. Oh yeah, but walls don't do work. What, but it didn't do what you need. It what what the young people it didn't do what it needed to be done. Okay, uh, Jack Arnold did not understand the assignment. Okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> he right, did so. not understand the assignment because Kevin was expecting rah 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 and fireworks, and he got some fireworks, but like. He wanted the fireworks to be aimed at Lewis's head, and that's not what <laughs> happened. It didn't. It did not go down the way he wanted. Let me just say, it did not end the way that he wanted. Um, for, um, I'm just gonna say say again, walls don't work. So maybe the Maginot Line reference was was spot on, because the great the Great Wall of China did not prevent the Huns or the Mongols or anybody from invading China. They just went around. So it's an okay wall of China. No, it, it's pretty great in terms of the size. It's really kind of cool. Like the oh, so we're moving the a goalpost. We're moving a goalpost now. Says, <laughs> I mean, it's great for, for I mean the the the, 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 size, the design, though. the size. It's great in size. Yes, it's great as an architectural feat. But what great about the motion in the ocean? Effectiveness, not so much. Yeah, not so much. Walls yeah, don't work. Hashtag walls don't work. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Jack Jack Arnold was a wall in that. I think Jack Arnold was an immovable force. Well, it was more like immovable force. My bad. It was less like bad. a wall, more like I'm gonna like a tank. And so yeah. like, he didn't win. It's just that both tanks kind of just ran to each other, and and they both were like. Uh, we're just gonna go home and try it tomorrow or something. Like, so I don't know if it was yeah. like it worked, but at the same time, it's it didn't work like you how you intended. Right. It did. It definitely did not do that. And so, what do you guys mean? Like, how did it not work? What happened during this conversation? Was it full of joy and flowers and sunshine? Of course yeah. it was. Of course it wasn't, because Lewis, oh. Lewis is a line stepper. <laughs> yeah, habitual line, line stepper. Habitual line stepper. Um, so basically, Lewis pokes at everything. Just, well, first off, in polite conversation at a dinner, dinner table, you're not supposed to talk about politics. And he talks about politics. Particularly mm-hmm. ones that are very close and, to Jack. You know, and politics in 1968 means Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And to a Korea, Korea, Korean War vet like Jack, you know, talking bad about the military... Is you know, it's, uh, that's, that's sacrilege. Yeah, it's. I was just about to say it's tantamount to like uh, cussing God at his dinner table. He was not a fan. He had a whole artifice balling up. Okay, skin turning all hot pink, ears all warm. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. He oh, <clears throat> it was it was the it was the meaningless death comment that that struck it off. 
Yeah. We're talking, 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 referring to Brian Cooper. Yeah, I think it's important that it it built up. It wasn't they sat down at the table and he said, you know, fuck the police. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was it was definitely a build up. And I think it's also important to know that for the family, it was connected to a personal loss, right? So it was connected to Brian, um, who died a few episodes ago, um, and so it it, it hit. The family, and I believe as as the viewer, it's supposed to show like how jarring um, his statements are to us because um, this is the first death that we experience in the show. And he's like not making light of it. In fact, making it heavier, I think, um, by adding his own um, his own experience to it and his value and his views of the war. So, again, Mm -hmm. I mean, calling it meaningless is kind of it's kind of fighting words to the people who were pretty close to that family. Exactly, and him by saying that he's like underlining and underscoring. It's almost hyperbolic in a way. And like that's the point. Like I'm trying to show you like how bad this is by being this insulting. Yeah, he's, he's basically minimized <clears throat> him to like like his point is that like these soldiers, you know, they're dying, you know, over nothing. They're just pawns. But like w- while doing that, you're talking about someone who. You're talking to someone who sees him more than a pawn. Like they know the human element, so it's like mm-hmm. you're attacking him as a human being, saying he's nothing. He's just a pawn. Like they can't detach from that. Like you don't know him, mm-hmm. so you know no fault of your own. But like you would think if they know him, be like, hey, bro, just be a little more respectful. Uh, you, there's another way to say that. Like I, you know, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. I wish, you know he wasn't treated like a pawn and that mm-hmm. you know the government saw you know these soldiers as people like you all do but that's not his you know that's not his groove that's not his thing nah, it's about getting his movie. point across like who cares about mm-hmm. you know your oh he died yeah well guess what there's a bigger problem at hand like why did he die cuz they don't give a fuck about you like okay, calm down, bro. Just eat the mashed potatoes. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. With Jack being a Korean War vet, he he was also alluding to, and I can't remember exactly like his words around it, but he's saying like, and your friends died in a meaningless way too. Like, all this shit is meaningless. Like they they're mistreating everybody, and including your generation of of uh, veterans, right? So he's just like he's he just he's supposed to sit there and eat his food, and he knocking shit off the table. Right? Yeah. You are a guest in this home. Excuse me? I I, I like Jack's uh, <clears throat> Jack's truth, freedom, and democracy uh, speech. But then Lewis calls him brainwashed. And that really set Jack off. Ooh, I mean, how could it not? Like, you gonna call me brainwashed in my own damn house? Who the fuck are you? Eat my fucking food. Because it's not even like... You- Fucking food, which y'all raggedy ass. <laughs> it's not even like, like what he's saying is wrong. It's just like <laughs> it's not like what he's saying is wrong. It's just like wh- why would you say it in such a disrespectful manner? Like it's I get your point of being like, you know, hey man, they're pulling the wool of our eyes, and, and of course Jack is like, look man, like the shit is real to me. Like, I'm literally fighting so that we can even have this conversation without having to look over our shoulder. And you telling me, like, the people that I knew that didn't come home to their families, like I did, like, that's nothing? Like, come on, man. Don't do that. Don't do that in my house. He's like, Leave the fucking room, bro. Like, it, it's just like, it get, like, he was really punching down, to be honest, instead of punching up. Like, it was misdirected anger. And, of course, by the end of the episode, we find out why, by the end of the scene, we find out why he's so angry and why he's so passionate about it. But he is just, he's, he's, it's misdirected. Like, what can a Korean war vet who works, who's a pencil pusher, you know, middle management at some company, like who stargazes and reads sex books to learn how to have sex with his wife? Like, what is he going to do? <laughs> he, he, he can give you nothing. He has nothing to give. In regards to like your problems around Vietnam or any other war, like you, there's nothing. Leave that man alone. That's my two cents. <laughs> He's like, if you scared, just say you chicken. He's like, yeah, I'm chicken. 
I don't want to go down like your friends. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you think they free over there in Korea? Where, the, where they're still split north and south? Y'all didn't do anything. Ain't nobody free, my brother. Right. You know, I, it, it is really it is really sad that the Korean War technically still has not ended. Look, look that up. The Korean War has not technically ended. Mm. We, only, we only signed a ceasefire. The armistice is only a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. They mention the news like every 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 so often whenever you know their leader goes a little cuckoo crazy. Yeah, I think um, you know it's it's worth noting like these are the the wars that are being highlighted right in the conversation, um, and the lack of resolution or a good resolution, I guess you could say, from the United States military perspective. Um, and so I think that's also like an interesting dynamic happening here. And um, I think it's also uh, Jack volunteered, right? He volunteered for service. Whereas you have this young man who's been, um, who's got his draft papers, which is like a pervasive thing during Well, the- question, did Jack volunteer? I think Jack volunteered. If he didn't volunteer, he was okay with that. He Maybe he found like, if not at first, then while there, he he saw honor in in the duty, in the call of duty. You know, Listen, like, um, we're gonna we're gonna do a poll. Um, tell us what you think. Do you think Jack um, enlisted for Korea or was he drafted? Um, let us know what you think. Um, but anyways, Lewis shows his draft notice at the table, which is. <sighs> Alert, alert. Correction. Luna was, for the first time in her life, wrong. (laughs) Okay, go on. Jack Arnold was drafted into the Korean War. Um, Did you look it up? Yeah. (laughs) He caught some shrapnel in his leg. Does it? Hold up. uh, Next next question. Um, Sorry to cut you off. Where did you find this information? Did your own <laughs> research. I mean, uh, I thought it was like common knowledge. Like, hello. Um, I use this special app um, specifically for Wonder Years fans called Google. It's really fancy. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. It, it, I love it. And you won't believe the website it pulled up. The Wonder Years fandom. So... No. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, <laughs> There's a whole website. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack was drafted in 1950. I'm uh, mad that it has a date. <laughs> I love it. So how does the, the dinner conversation end with our vegetarian friend? Um, Lewis gets up. It leaves. Karen runs after him, and Jack gets up and leaves, and Nora runs after him, and then Wayne and Kevin are just sitting there, and Wayne has not stopped eating the entire fucking time, and Kevin is just sitting there dumbfounded. I think eventually he gets up and leaves Wayne there eating. Yeah, he wanted to know if he could have Karen smash potatoes. That was the whole issue. Like that's what matters to him. In a way, you gotta kind of appreciate it. He's like, you know what? Fuck all this drama. I'm holding on to my childhood. <laughs> I'm holding on to the things I can control. I don't want nothing to do with Karen. Lewis is a god. Jack is <laughs> dad is dad is mad. What else is new? Uh, mom is running after him. Like I, wh- what else is new? I'm right. I'm paying attention to what's in front of me, and right now, what's in front of me is Karen's mashed potatoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. She wasn't gonna eat them damn mashed potatoes anyway. I don't know why y'all even did her like that. Give me the why do we take. keep giving her servings? She doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> She's clearly gonna go live with Lewis, right? In his band and Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> Jack was so upset. Like the look in his face. John Lloyd is a great actor. The look, the look in his face before he gets from the table is just like. It's like he made some points. That's what's most aggravating because it's like you want you want to like you feel disrespected. You want to put him in his place, but it's like God, 
damn it, I kind of see the point he's kind of making. And and he's like a young kid. Like, who, like how, who am I to tell him, like, like you know, it's, tell him to do what I did and, and, and do it with honor? Like, yeah, like every single person that Kevin goes to um, in, in their own way finds something about Lewis that is like undeniably like right. Right. Like, like by the end of the episode, like the mom is like, fuck, like I am a little like uncomfortable and I probably should read the feminine mystique. And then like the brother just thinks of him as like a God, like you said, cause like two girlfriends. Wah. And then dad is like, damn, like, damn, he's right. And Kevin, and again, it's back to like, values from the teacher in like one of the scenes at the top of the episode of like each person battling with their values, right? Because he um, put his two kids in it. He was like, what if it was your two boys? And that's when he was like, ah, oh, shit. It's like, yeah, would you want your sons to go through what you went through? Right. It's would, really do you think that's right to just send them yeah. over at 18? Like, enjoy the years now because they're going to be gone. Is that okay with you? And it's like, no. But uh, but honor though, mm-hmm. and I'm in America and red, white, and blue, and these colors don't for, run. Goddamn. For the for the record, so there so there is no ambiguity. We support the troops, the people who are over there, fighting and doing things that we don't have the capacity to do. I support their safety. I right. I we want them to come home. I uh, commend I commend their bravery because exactly you you not everybody's built for that. That's not you have to be born to be like okay with that yeah. to make that sacrifice. I could not. I wouldn't. But that's me. And won't. Thank you. And then so so at at the end of everything after everyone's at the dinner table. We're left with Kevin thinking about his day, lying in bed, thinking about how at the end it all just dissolves away, all the conflicts dissolve away and stuff with the people. And then we see Karen Lewis again. <laughs> in the pedo van. I'm sorry, yeah, micro bus. We learned that uh, maybe Lewis didn't tell Karen everything about Marissa. Just maybe he might have, you know, left out the fact that he was sleeping with her too. Or is it possible that she kind of knew, but seeing is it seeing it in person is different? Like, oh, actually, I don't like this. Nah, nah. I, 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 I I'm, I'm of the fervent belief that Lewis is is a liar. And uh, you know what? You might seducer be right. of young and vulnerable women. Okay. Oh, of course. But you you might be more correct because the the line she says is, uh, I think she said, "You told me you loved her, but you didn't. You never told me you were sleeping with her." Right. Which is just a tad naive, but okay, girl. Well, she's in high school. That part, that part. <laughs> I just. I, I mean, you're so right. I cannot get over. I can't fully wrap my mind around her daddy knowing that that grown <laughs> man. At the end of the day, when dinner was over, like, damn, man, that's fucked up that he's put in that situation, man, because I wouldn't want my boys in that situation. Karen, go sit your ass down, by the way. You're not going with that nigga. I don't know what you. Thought this was. Uh, just like, you sit down and finish that goddamn plate. Well, I'm glad we had this discussion, but you're not fucking my daughter no more, my guy. Right. Like what? Like what? How was that glossed over during a discussion of talk about values? Hello. Like it's a value that my children aren't having sex with grown people. Thank you, because that's called rape. Hello. I'm sorry, Lewis. I I, I wish I wish the word were different. And he's shaking his hand. He's like, but uh, I need you to go ahead and sit down and wait for the police to show up. Because <laughs> I won't have you run around with my daughter. Uh, and it's best that you go with the police because 
if you walk out that door, I guarantee you, I will find you. Right. I have a special set of skills. Me and my Korean war friends. Okay. <laughs> you ain't had right. no training yet, young brother. It's like you, you, you were refusing to go get training on how to use weapons. I took but that training. I have that training. I don't know if you noticed. I will shoot you. Uh, I keep that thing on me, but. Okay. And young Metro don't trust you, so guess what? <laughs> You don't know this, but I had my wife slash her tires before uh, <laughs> before the chicken hit the table. So <laughs> before we close out, um, I'd be remiss if we didn't go to Fife's corner for his uh, his conspiracy theory for this episode. So I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm pretty sure Kevin. <laughs> Is a serial killer or a, a, a murderer? I, I'm just saying there's a murder or two that takes place. In that, so, so you're saying he's got dead bodies behind him? He's got bodies. I don't know if he's been caught, but there's bodies. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, you know, maybe four years from now, he's, you know, admiring his dad and, and the, you know, what he's done for his country and you know, showing off like, hey, yeah, we used to shoot these kind of guns here. And I had a, a a serrated knife that I used to have to gut people with. It's like, yeah, dad, that's cool. And then, you know, he starts to collect some of these weapons. He wants to start training himself. But it's like, I need the real deal. And then, you know, how, you know, snowball effect, we get, you know, Dexter, but not uh, likable. Uh-huh. So, okay. yeah, serial killer. But in his mind, he's justified because, you know, people did him wrong, like slobbing and licking his sister's chin in front of him. <laughs> Luna. Maybe. Uh, yeah, go ahead, please. Well, no, no, I, I was just going to I was just going to ask you for your uh, your, your final <laughs> thoughts of the episode. I think maybe they um, maybe we've been like viewing this all wrong maybe they live in an alternate universe um where like raping (laughs) having sexual relationships with children is acceptable and like the biggest problem is arguing with 21 year olds when you're clearly 47 like maybe that's going on in this world um maybe there's also an alternate this alternate universe includes teachers talking it's not under their breath, really, and out loud. Um, I don't understand this world. I really don't. This universe is very confusing for me. I feel like maybe this was, well, not maybe. I'm pretty sure this is the real world. But, but like, we don't. We can't accept it. But I'm sure somebody from that time will just tell us, hey, man, it was a different time, you know? It's different. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, going to say we, that. that no. If we time travel... We'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure no. Hive, like, what's in the fucking chicken? Like, there weren't hormones for real. It was just LSD coated chicken. That has to be what that's it is. Gotta rinse, that's why you gotta rinse your meat. Yeah, because I'm not getting rinse that, that meat. I'm just not seeing it right now. All like, types I, of meat. I just <laughs> rinse, rinse every meat you come across. Rinse it. Rinse your own. Rinse others, please. That's my public service announcement. Also, we didn't do, um, you all may have noticed we didn't do a black character count this episode because... It's zero. We already counted. This is our second time recording, so the, the count is zero for this episode. The closest <laughs> we get is Rufio. Enjoy it. That's the only drop of melon. If you're black and you want to see somebody black in this episode of The Wonder Years, you're going to have to copy and paste your ass in there. Because <laughs> Wait till the remake. I guarantee you there'll be uh, on, one black on, on person. On our website, you, you will see us cop- copying and pasting ourselves into this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We'll, well, probably, it, we'll probably be the neighbors across the street like, you see this old ass nigga on the front? Of the- <laughs> so, <laughs> Look at that man. You know, they so, really see, failed. I told you about them. They will have failed 
at the reboot to me if your grandfather is not included as a character in the show. Um, I'm just putting that out there. He needs to be cast as a wise old neighbor. Why? You already got it all wrong. (laughs) Uh, Jaded. Let's go with jaded. I came came to this city based on a lie. That's that's how every story starts. I came here based on a lie. Question. Question: What city is he, is he referring to? Uh, no, he actually he says I came to this state because uh, he comes. He came to Texas. He was from Louisiana, <laughs> and well, he he got I a mean, job in Texas. He's like, I came here based on a lie. He said he had a job lined up for me. Oh shit! Here we go. Yeah, Every well, fucking week. This is this. That's just that just sounds hilarious. I'm sorry. At least he's consistent. Oh, oh, okay. Hilarious. Yeah, tell that to my grandmother. Jesus. She, she got so tired that she would literally ignore him. He would start <laughs> complaining, and she'd be like, yo, look at that cat. Look at that cat. <laughs> so climbing that wall. Y'all can go. Y'all go ahead and get out of here. He, he getting started. Go ahead and go. Y'all go, baby. Okay. Yeah, y'all go ignoring me. That's what's wrong with y'all now. If y'all I, listen to me, I, y'all car insurance wouldn't be so high. Like I'm you know, simply unable. Okay. Simply unable. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this wonderful um, fourth episode of the first season of the original Wonder Years television series. Um, it has been real, and it has been fun. And I am your host, Hugh Arnold, alongside Luna Cooper. Hey, hey. And Kimbo Fife. Yeah, yeah. Bye, guys. And we are wishing you a wonderful week until we meet again. Until we meet again. Love you guys so much. In Wonderland. <laughs>